I'm excited. We have <laughs> feels like a packed house. Uh, let us remember the words of Psalm 118, 22 to 24. The same stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. On this day the Lord has acted. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I love the lectionary. I love it because it forces me to read and think about passages that I would prefer not to grapple with. And it was full of them today. Uh, so I want us to think about the gospel reading today and where is Jesus in this parable? Um, I have read this parable, as you probably have many times, and never quite known what to do with it. Like, uh, who, who is the dishonest steward or the unrighteous manager or whatever term you apply to him and who is the rich man and we can pretty well assume who the accuser is <clears throat> as you notice at the very beginning it talks about the uh, the steward was accused of squandering the rich man's assets so uh, I heard a theory, it's not mine, I, I seldom ever have anything original, probably never will have, but uh, it made a lot of sense and so I'm going with it. And to understand this we need to, to look at the context and back up to Luke chapter 15, the very beginning, verses 1 to 3. And this is this uh, particular scripture we're starting with is inserted in the middle of several other parables so it's hard to we can't <clears throat> we can't assume the gospels are written like a newspaper and that they're necessarily sequential or even uh, you know in a what appears to be a continuous series of teachings may have been given at different times and places but 15, uh, chapter 15 verse 1 reads now all the tax gatherers the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near to him to listen to him that's important so Jesus is being surrounded by the ones considered by the religious establishment the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and <clears throat> lawyers to be the scum of the earth, the, un, the unrighteous, the, uh, the ones unworthy to even go into the temple in most cases. So <clears throat> they're being drawn to Jesus and he's allowing them to. He's actually welcome, welcoming them, dining with them even. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So the theory is that in this parable that I read about the rich man who had a manager working for him, and this manager had been, been accused of being uh, wasteful, 
or uh, squander. Squandering can be wasteful or reckless or frivolous, <clears throat> possibly dishonest. Uh, so what if the steward is Jesus? In the parable, Jesus is the steward. That's the theory that we're going to look at. And you might think, well, why would somebody come up with that concept? Well, it's, it fits in with the gospel. If you believe the gospel to be as good as it really is, if you understand grace, the gospel is a scandal. It's not fair. Uh, after this, in another place, Jesus tells the parable of the uh, the workers in the vineyard and how the vineyard owner went out at the beginning of the day and hired some workers and negotiated with them what they'd get paid for the day's wage and then you know at noon he went and hired some more and at three o'clock he went and hired some more and then almost at the end of the day he went back and found some people not unemployed and he said so why are you standing around? They're like, well, nobody offered us work today. And he said, well, I'll pay you something. Go ahead and join the harvest, the, the vineyard. <clears throat> and then at the end of the day, you know what happened? He gave all the workers the same pay. And the ones who worked all day long in the heat were complaining and saying, hey, that's not fair. Why did these guys that just worked one hour get the same pay? That's the gospel. That's grace. It makes us mad. It, it, it's not just, it's inequitable. And so in this parable, it's possible, as Jesus told this, he was responding to the fact that the tax uh, that the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling because Jesus is receiving sinners and even eating with them. And so, I've heard other explanations, and you probably have too. Some, some want to try to uh, to read this passage of scripture and use it to teach the concept that we should use money in a wise and worthy manner, and that's certainly uh, one possibility. And it it is a good thing for us to try to be good stewards and to use our money wisely. But it's kind of hard to make it all fit with that theme. Uh, some even use it to support um, economic views to disparage capitalism and in, encourage more of a socialistic approach to the economy. And some <clears throat> use it to, some try to explain to the historical setting, the culture of the day, and how in in reality how that system worked where you had the that one percent two percent of the rich people in, in the community would hire others to run their farms and to run their vineyards so they could just party all day long sounds like a pretty good gig to me <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> the way that worked is the manager didn't actually get a salary but he was allowed, he was expected when he, as he was selling and, and um, brokering the goods, he would add to whatever the actual 
price that would go to the owner, he would add a percentage that was his commission, and that was how they worked. And so some were saying he was just adding too much, and that when he gave these discounts, he was actually just cutting his own commission, but I think that's totally ridiculous. But they're just trying to lessen that it's, it was dishonest, it wasn't fair, it wasn't equitable. And if you, if you see it in the big picture that it's describing grace and it's describing the kingdom of God where everything is upside down, then it, it makes perfect sense to me. So we have, as I said, we have the rich man, the manager, and the accuser, or, or the, uh, and the debtors, the people who were indebted to the rich man. So we can see ourselves as the ones who are in debt. If we definitely owe a debt we could never pay uh, for our sin and our uh, a life of self-centeredness and unrighteous decisions that we make. <clears throat> so Jesus is identifying himself as the dishonest manager and he is is bringing these these debtors in and cutting their bill in half or reducing it greatly when we know as we see the entire story of salvation revealed it's, he didn't just cut our bill in half he paid it in full that's how ridiculous salvation is he talks about toward the end he talks about eternal homes and that kind of throws a wrench into uh, a lot of commentaries that aren't sure just what to do with that but it makes sense again if you see this this dishonest wealth that's being referred to is as being uh, grace and mercy and love so we're getting what we do not deserve to get, but what is being freely given to us because of the work of the dishonest manager on our behalf, and that is the gospel. <clears throat> he goes on to say that we cannot serve both God and wealth. And uh, that's a verse that is often taken uh, to stand on its own that phrase you cannot serve God and mammon and it really does uh, coincide with other things Christ said about you can't come to me unless you forsake all and uh, come and take up your cross and follow me there's also an aspect of uh, this latter part of the parable where he's talking about um, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous in much. If, if therefore you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon, who will entrust the true riches to you? If you have not been, if you have been unfaithful, if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Well, that can easily be. Uh, latched onto and used to support various types of legalism and works mentality uh, which is actually the law itself and uh, again in the context of everything being upside down in this parable 
that's that still flows in that vein of thought so the bottom line is that the gospel is scandalous it describes the reckless wasteful extravagant love that God has for us it's going to challenge our sense of fairness um, and it also gives us hope because as we come to understand this amazing love of God and his faithfulness we realize that it's never too late in God's timeline for him to bring good fruit out of our messes that he can and will redeem everything surrendered into his will it helps us see that on our own we cannot bargain with God God doesn't want our best effort he wants us to surrender everything to admit our helplessness we must admit that we are the prostitute being auctioned off at the slave market and God is Hosea buying back his adulterer's wife Amen Let's stand together and proclaim our common faith in the Nicene Creed on page 3